All right, hey everybody, welcome to episode two, or just week two, or maybe just the next part. Uh, last week we looked at Matthew chapter five, verse one and two, as we set up the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest teaching, and today we'll just focus on the first thing he said in that sermon, uh, this verse, Matthew chapter five, verse three. And this is what Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed. And what follows um, are a a bunch more statements of what it is to be blessed. Um, A lot of times these get called the Beatitudes, like these blessed, beautiful type attitudes or perspectives or blessed realities is maybe a better way to see it. And as we read this one and the ones that follow and the rest of the sermons, in many ways, this is like the cliff notes of Jesus's teachings, because these are things he would have talked about a lot in a lot of different places. But what Matthew records for us is this time in one spot where he he said these things. And so there's So much for all of us who want to get to know Jesus better, whether you're a Christian or not. Um, If he's legit, if he's relevant, if he is who he claims he is, or if there's something so special or powerful about the things that he said and did that people are still talking about him uh, thousands of years later, then, then we should dig into him. So that's why we're starting here in this long recorded teaching of his so that we can wrestle with his relevance in our life, not not relevance in just an existential kind of way uh, or, or a historical way, but, but rather, if he's relevant, then how do we apply him today, right now? And again, Christian or not, he invites everyone, those who were followers and believed things in him. And, and you see it in the stories of the first century, and it's still today. There are plenty of people who, who respect him or learn from him or take the things that he did and apply them like uh, Mahat Gandhi. Like there are people that, that have learned so much from him, even if they weren't, you know, like a Christian in the traditional sense, um, or maybe they didn't believe that he was the Messiah or God in the flesh, as those of us who are Christians do. Um, and so anyway, he's relevant, he's awesome, and he says this phrase, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And each one of these blessing statements, um, and this is kind of cool actually as a side note, here, this long recording uh, teaching, kind of the first real teaching of like, who, who is Jesus and, and how do we, what does he want us to understand? And what is he proclaiming to be true? It starts with these blessed are the blessed are the blessed are the people. And one of the last sermons that Matthew records, you can jump to it, read it later in Matthew 23 has these woe to you statements, these warnings, and, and it's woe to you, the religious people. Woe to you, the religious authority in particular. Um, Woe to you who think you've got a hold of who God is and you define uh, whether others are connected to him or not. You, You create a caste system of sins that are acceptable and unacceptable and, and create lines of who's in and out. And uh, anyway, it's great. Read it later. And it's kind of a cool juxtaposition is that Jesus isn't all just blessed are you. He also speaks a lot of truth, and um, well, it's one of the reasons he got crucified. Uh, the people in authority didn't like the things he was saying to them. <laughs> and uh, in case you ever thought Jesus was just like a, a little baby lamb petting hippie dude um, who's just nice, uh, he you know nice people didn't get crucified in the first century. 
If Jesus was nice and worried about popular opinion, he would have, uh, well, he, would, he wouldn't have said the things that he did that were so bold and so infuriating to the religious authority in particular. But anyway, Jesus is, I mean, dope, obviously. All right. So these statements um, about blessing as just kind of a general thing to realize is that what Jesus says here about the poor in spirit in verse three and what he'll continue to say is that that blessed are the people who we typically don't normally regard as blessed. So blessed are the afflicted, blessed are the less than, blessed are the social outcasts, blessed are those who based on this world's definition of success and honor and smart and academic and maybe pedigree, uh, you wouldn't think of as blessed. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 the way this really works, what's the truer reality is that um, that people are blessed that you don't realize. And, and it's kind of like inviting us that we can come to see that we are blessed, not because we have the, the following we want on social media or because the work we do gets very affirmed and because we get famous or because we make a ton of money. That's not what blessing is, not in the way that Jesus is talking about it. So when we think of what we want to be blessed, Jesus is showing us, no, there's a different path to a really blessed life. That's kind of what you could say is his premise in this first part, this opening part of the Sermon on the Mount. And another way to see it is that these are promises from Jesus. Jesus isn't saying, hey, blessed are you if you do these things. He's saying blessed are the people who. Um, so it's like a declaration of what is. And promises are really important when you're reading scripture. You could say that promise making is Jesus's love language. He promises things to you and he's inviting you by faith to trust them. And by faith means they're not going to be easy to always trust. And there'll be plenty of moments when we feel unblessed and untaken care of and unprotected or forgotten. And he's inviting us by faith to see, no, 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 there is a greater spiritual reality and that you are blessed and that you are loved. And um, so that these blessings aren't things that are earned and they're not the conditions to get into his kingdom or like a roadmap for entry but rather just saying what is reality right now are the types of people who are poor in spirit. And so it's kind of like Jesus is painting a picture for you and I of what the kingdom of God is really like. And saying kingdom of God sounds very like religious speak, I, I know. But it, he's saying like, when, when he says kingdom of God, it's like he's saying what the true reality is. Like for, for us as created beings living in this physical world, there is a spiritual reality we are very unaware of most of the time. And we've, most of us, grown up in a culture that's very spiritually illiterate. So we don't even like to think of it. It's funny, like we're, we're okay believing in God or like culturally people talk about energy and positive vibes. We reference as if definitive and true these spiritual, untangible things. And we're comfortable with that. But when we start talking about God and heaven or the devil or demons or angels, we all get uncomfortable or we think that's cheesy, but Jesus is saying, no, 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 you were created as both a physical being who can house a spiritual reality. And the more we learn to tune into that, uh, the better our life will get. And so blessing comes from tuning into the spiritual truth of today, not just trying to behave in the physical behavior type things. And it's like, did I go to church? Did I, did I read my Bible? Did, did I do enough for God to love me? That's not the story that Jesus is telling us is, 
the true reality. And so he paints this picture of how we can really come to know our blessings and that we don't have to try um, to find a blessed and full life in ourselves by boasting about who we are and by sharing it loud and proud on social media, by finding our belonging in the affirmation and consensus of our culture in this world. Um, and we don't have to find our blessing and our pleasures and our pursuits and our desires, but God's kingdom is different. And that's what Jesus is going to say. And he's going to give us some specific painted pictures of, of that the source of wholeness and purpose and pleasure. It doesn't have to be found in ourselves or in this world, but rather that it's in God. And, and he doesn't just paint the picture. I think he gives us some concrete ways here in, in these Beatitudes to practice living in this kingdom reality every day of our life. And so over the next few weeks, we'll keep just walking through these. We'll probably bunch uh, a couple of them up. Um, so we're not talking about one verse every week. Uh, some of you might get bored. Um, but but at the same time, maybe that's good because it's just, it's not about like oh, read through the Beatitudes and then get it. It's, it's stop and just meditate on what Jesus is saying and and dig into the depth of it and try to squeeze out every ounce of what that means for you today because Jesus is relevant and and a couple of words from him is enough for us to mull over and and chew on and ask questions and debate and figure out how to apply uh, every day of our life but uh, anyway so um Oh, and the kingdom of God thing, I was going to say, the, the chapter before this in Matthew chapter 4, um, this is following Jesus' baptism moment and then his time of <clears throat> what we're told is like temptation and trial. Um, and, then, and then it says that, that from that time on, this is Matthew four seventeen that from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so... This, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God concept is something Jesus spoke about a ton. In this world, uh, while we don't use king and queen and kingdom type language much, we understand power structures. We understand nationality and governments. And uh, it's it's a, the same concept, basically, is Jesus is referring to a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual reality that is the true governing reality or government or kingdom and that he's the king that's his claim um and so when it says that he began to to preach this like repent for the kingdom of god is near there's there's this sense of like right now the kingdom of god is available to you and i and that word repent um is is such a good word it gets um i don't know, i think it has like a bad a bad rap because it just sounds judgy and it sounds like well, I mean, it's been used like that, like you, you know, turn or burn, you're going to hell, repent, you know, God hates you or any of that kind of nonsense. Um, and unfortunately in church world, if you've been around it much, repentance is often just stored up for the worst offenses in the caste system of sin, socially acceptable, which just, you know, in, in scripture, there's no caste system, all sin, sin, they all have different consequences. So, but the sin of, you know, sexually abusing someone and the sin of lying are, are equally guilty um, in the eyes of God, if that makes sense. Now, the consequences are obviously different and worse, and that's appropriate, but God just views all of us as sinners. So there's not like a, there's good sinners and there's bad sinners, just, just humans, and we're not perfect, 
and God is. And this word repentance is about recognizing that. You were made in the image of God to live life a certain way. And anytime you live outside that kind of definition or that designed intent, it will scar and damage and be inefficient. It's not, it's not a good way to live your life. And, and we know this uh, because we're surrounded by created things. Like I'm, I'm holding a pen right now. And a pen was designed and created to function and do certain things. And so if I try to dig a hole in the grass outside with a pen, um, it could do that but it won't be very efficient and it definitely will be damaging to the pen um, and it's felt tip. So like it, it will never work again. And the, the way of understanding what Jesus refers to often in this kind of idea that, that we are made in the image of God and there's a way for us to live our life. And if we, if we want, we can, we can live outside that design. We can have sex with who we want. We can uh, value what we want. We can work really hard to try to get our worth and sense of who we are from our jobs and our accomplishments. We, we can live that way, but he's inviting us to see that, no, as a created image, those ways will just lead to scar tissue and to damage. And, and some of us, we've probably had this where we've chased some achievements and accomplishments or some pleasure or some experiences in life that we thought were going to be so amazing to find them kind of empty or that on the other side of them quickly forgotten because life, it's like this yearning in us needs this fullness, this connection to God. And when we look for it outside of him, it's, it's empty. It comes up wanting. And so repentance is just about learning to recognize that, oh, I'm outside of God's parameters. Let me get back in. Um, I'm not on the, the course or the, the trajectory that God created me to live on. And I'm not feeling the fullness. I'm not feeling, um, like peace. And, and those are all ways for us to repent. And so in, in church world, repentance is stored up for like the worst sinners. Uh, it's like, oh, someone had an affair and they better repent. And that definitely is bad. But repentance is just about a daily reality that we're sinners and we are in need of God. And, and so what Jesus is saying here in the poor of spirit is that, and that this kingdom stuff and this repentance idea is just recognizing that there's a blessing when we realize our desperate need for God. There's a blessing in knowing we not only have a higher power, we need a higher power. We need to know that there is a God who's bigger than this jacked up story and world we live in and that he's writing this story and going to make it right in the end and that we can stand here today not perfect, but know that we're loved, that we're forgiven. And and so this sense of repentance is not about seeing ourselves as less than we are. Um, and it's not about only repenting when we're like, we really screw up. Uh, it's rather about seeing wholly and fully who we are and who we are in God, in this created world, that we have limits and it's okay. And um, I think repentance is best not seen in the church, sadly, but in the 12-step communities, recovery worlds where people's addictions to destructive type habits have caused them to come to rock bottom experiences where they realize they should not be in control of their life and they need to turn it over to a higher power as they understand it. I would suggest Jesus, but you know, wherever you are on the journey is fine. Um, but step 10 of the 12 step world says that, you know, as, as you grow through this recovery sobriety process, that you continue to take personal inventories and when wrong, promptly admit it. That is what repentance is about. Um, it's about not pretending that every day you're probably good enough and fine or, 
or that it's okay to not say sorry and admit when you're wrong. And that's, that's what it should look like. All of us, when we realize that there's a blessing in being poor of spirit, a blessing in acknowledging our need of God, there's a blessing in recognizing that we're not perfect and it's okay, that we can really begin to live into the fullness of who we're created to be. And that we shouldn't repent sometimes. We should repent all the time. We should always just be taking inventories um, because when we know our security is in who God is, then it frees us up to just fully admit our wrongs and promptly admit it. And so blessed are the poor of spirit is, is a way of embodying this, this repentance type idea that he, he's not saying you're blessed if you are poor or blessed are those who are in poverty that they would for sure be included. He's saying, blessed are you when you are spiritually poor, when you recognize and realize and come to, to grip with the fact that you are spiritually in poverty and you need to do something about it. Don't mask it. Don't pretend and don't numb it out. I would say like recovery, um, everybody's addicted to stuff. And so we could all simply say we are addicted to sin and sin again, like repentance is a very churchy word, but it just means living outside of God's design. Uh, his perfect plan. And so when life's not going the way it should be, it's like, well, yeah, because I'm, I'm probably trying to take too much control of it and I'm not just relying on God enough. Um, so anyway, recognizing that, that, that kind of emptying of yourself so that you can be filled with this truth and knowledge of who God is, that is how to live a blessed life. That you're not blessed when you're self-promoting or self-protecting, but when you're simply owning that you are a daughter of God. You are a son of God and a sinner in need of a savior. You're both of those. <laughs> and, and it's not that, well, if I stop sinning enough, then I'll be a child of God. No, no, no. You are his. You are loved. Um, but you're also a sinner. And we don't ever need to pretend. In fact, the danger is pretending like we're not a sinner. That's when we get in trouble. When we like to turn and focus on other people's sin is when we are often in the most trouble. And... It's one of the things that always gets really difficult and gets awkward in church community because we tend to focus on other people's sin and issues instead of just focusing on our own, which is literally what Jesus told us to do. Just focus on the freaking plank of a tree in your eye and stop worrying about the specks of dust in other people's eyes. And um, one of the ways maybe to think about, because um, I said the words, the phrase is self-protecting and self-promoting. That's what fear does. Fear causes us to self-protect and self-promote. And fear stems from a false sense of who we are. And our whole journey in life and our whole, uh, what Jesus is inviting us to do is to shift to realizing that our true self is found in him. And because it's in him, we can live secure. And so every time there's a moment of fear in our life is recognizing there's this temptation or this struggle to believe that we're really okay and God's got us. So, so one of the ways you could, I mean, there's lots of ways to kind of summarize all the scriptures, but one of the ways to think about the Bible and the stories in it is that they're stories of separation, separation from humans, from their source of life, who's God, from God's original intent. And so you could summarize all of our lives as a search for meaning and wholeness and beliefs that help us make sense of the fear and the separation we experience. And, and we're invited by Jesus to find it in God. Um, you know, if you've ever heard uh, the, the, 
the idea of like the failure to thrive, like if a baby dies from failure to thrive, it happens because a baby was born without human connection, without human touch, without a human talking to it, without a human properly caring for it. And so you can think of spiritual being spiritual poverty or being poor of spirit as a spiritual failure to thrive, an equivalent because we're not connected with God. Um, when we're not connected to our own spirit and soul, when we're not recognizing our own need and sense for purpose and meaning and a knowledge of a story bigger than ourselves and, and not recognizing our own imperfections and failures and not, not openly admitting them and not trying to pretend to be something more than we are. When we learn to, to, to acknowledge this, then, then it's like there's a, then there can be a, an ability to thrive, a power to live fully. And Jesus plays this out and I won't spend a lot of time here, but it's so freaking cool. Um, there's another time where he's dealing with some religious people who get pretty arrogant and haughty and they like to think everyone else is a worse sinner than them because they're, they're obeying all the rules. They're following all the little things that they're supposed to do to be a good person. And so Jesus portrays kind of what being poor of spirit looks like in Matthew 18. Um, Luke records this and I'll just read it to you real quick. It's verses nine through 14, but listen to what he plays out and what poor of spirit actually looks like. Verse nine, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. And, and parable, by the way, Jesus is just giving an analogy instead of telling us like, be poor of spirit and don't be like some of these religious jerks. Um, he just tells the story. Um, so he says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, um, you got to imagine someone like Matthew, as I said last week, loved this story because he was a tax collector and knew exactly what this guy probably felt like in the story Jesus is going to um, use as an example. But the Pharisee would be like a, like a pastor, a really religious person, someone that, you know, without knowing all the details of their life, it's just easy to assume they have this all figured out and they're a better Christian. They're, they're totally right with God. Um, and unfortunately, that can lead to a spiritual arrogance that leads us farther from God, not towards him and makes us less of an instrument of love in this world than we were designed to be. And so we've got a Pharisee and a tax collector. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And so Jesus kind of lays this on thick um, that that this person does all the right things and, you know, fasting twice a week and giving a 10th. He's, he's following all the rules. He's doing all the things you're supposed to do that behaviorally show you're religiously elite. The tax collector would be someone assumed to be not that. So verse 13 says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. So like he wasn't even willing to like get close to the temple or to other people because he, listen to what he says, he would not even look up to heaven but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's a difference between these two people's reactions. And so verse 14, here's how Jesus ends the story. He says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
And so this blessed are those who are poor of spirit are people who recognize that they are not better than other people. Blessing in life comes when you focus your judgment for yourself, not on other people. When you spend your time trying to police your own thoughts and your own actions and your own imperfections and just being honest and humble before God about them, not when you're trying to police others. Emptying of yourself before God, emptying your spirit of yourself so that you can be filled up with who he says you are. And, and, and then you can realize that, that you're his, that you were made in his image and you've been given dominion and capacity to create an amazing life and to bear responsible for, responsibility for others and to love people and to make society flourish. But because of this sin and separation thing, you and I both have a tendency every day of our life to try to live out of a false sense of who he says we are or how we understand ourselves, to live out of fear, to self-protect and to self-promote, to inflate who we, actually, who we are, to try to feel safe enough and secure enough. And he's inviting us to live by faith that we already have it. You already have, have it. So Jesus is like saying, no, 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 the opposite is true. See yourself rightly and trust God for the protection. Trust God for the promotion and, and practice repentance all the time. Don't hide your mistakes. Declare them, apologize for them, work on them, right? He's not saying just like wallow in the fact that you're, you struggle with stuff and do it all the time. No, 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 no. Always be working on it, but, but not from a place of trying to earn something, but rather learning to live from the place that you already are loved, that you are already worthy. So poor of spirit, this humility before God recognizes our desperate need of him. It's about seeing ourselves not as lowly and not as having less worth, but just seeing ourselves rightly as both loved and far from perfect. Blessed are the poor of spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that kingdom of heaven is so awesome, right? I, we referenced a minute ago or at the beginning in the chapter prior to Matthew 5 and verse 17 that Jesus said that the kingdom of God is at hand, that it's come near, that it's available to us right now. Later in Matthew 24, Jesus will reference how all of it will someday come to completion on us. And we, or, or in him rather, not us, I, that didn't make any sense, but um, that it'll come to completion in him. And many times when we think of the kingdom of heaven, we think of like, you know, angels and harps and people floating on clouds. And he's like, no, 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 right now, right now it's available to you. Right now you and I have access to the kingdom of God. And so the question for you is, are you living today, right now? Do you recognize that you have the kingdom of God available to you through Jesus? Maybe to say it a little more practically is, are you living, believing, knowing that you have the resources of heaven on your side? And so whatever you look ahead at this week that you're afraid of, or, or nervous about, that no matter what happens in the stock market this week, or at your job, or in your relationships, no matter if more people uh, affirm you or, or less people, like you are okay. You are his, and, and you can live from a place knowing heaven is on my side. So if I lost my job this week, and everything seemed to, to go to hell and start falling apart in my life, I am invited to live in a spiritual reality that God's got me. I don't have to be freaked out by all of that. I think some other kind of concrete practices for you and I is daily repentance. Don't say sorry sometimes. Pra 
practice growing the muscle of humility and say sorry often. Love people. And and maybe some of you are in the habit of just saying sorry all the time, but you're saying sorry for things that really aren't yours to be responsible for. So, but most of us, we suck at saying we're sorry and really owning our wrong. Um, So practice just promptly admitting that you're not perfect and it's totally fine because you're already fully loved by God and you have the promise of his blessing as a declaration in your life today, not something to be earned through your behavior. So yeah, learn, learn to think, what, what would it look like this week for you to step into work every day and just know you're blessed? Or to think about the future and politics and economy and things that tend to stir so much fear, but rather like, no, I'm blessed now. I'll be fine. And my hope in the future is in Jesus, not something else, not anything else. But right now, and maybe, maybe it's how do you practice gratitude this week for all of God's mercy in your life? Maybe you need to beat your chest, be unwilling even to look up to heaven and just say, God, thank you. God, please, please have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. Help me learn to live into that reality that I am not enough in and of myself and that my worth and value and meaning in life, if I try to find it in myself or to find it in my jobs, is only going to lead me farther from you. Help me find it in you and you alone. Maybe you just need to know that God's proud of you right now. He's, he, he's so proud of you. <laughs> I watched two of my, my boys play football this week, and there's just this overwhelming pride as a dad. Do you know God feels that way about you and more? And that this idea of you being a sinner and, and feeling unworthy at times, it's not about diminishing you. It's about just realizing how fully loved you are by God. And you and I, we can bring every dad wound we have, all our childhood trauma, all our our family of origin issues and bring them and leave them before him and allow him to heal us, allow him to be the perfect loving dad who's proud of us. And know that heaven is on your side. Empty yourself. Don't try to work to connect and get your, your, your worth and value in this world around you, but realize it's in the spiritual realm And that your faith in who God is and what he says about you and and what you believe about him, allow that to, to help you this week operate from a place of abundance. Love other people. Care for others. Create this week. Build your life. Finish projects. Flourish and help other people flourish around you. This is what the kingdom of God is all about right now. So I hope you have a great week. I realize now I talked for 30 minutes this week, not 20. Um, And if anyone knows me, I talk a lot. Um, So I'll try to keep them at like 30 or less though. Maybe. I guess we'll see. We're still making this up. But hey, in the meantime, a couple cool things coming up I want to mention, but uh, or just keep them on your radar. Uh, One, subscribe over at jesusisdope.substack. If you haven't yet, it's the best way to stay connected. Uh, We'll We'll publish the article version of this kind of devotional idea so you can read it this week, tomorrow. Um, If there's any way we can pray for you, share those prayers with us. Um, You can send emails to jesusisdope at uh, substack.com. We also now have an Instagram and Twitter uh, page, and I'm not even running these, which is great because I don't want to be on social media. But uh, on Instagram, if you search Podcast, and on Twitter, jesusisdopepod because we couldn't get the cast part. Uh, Anyway, you can find, and we'll be sharing and updating things on there more often. You can also share prayer requests there. So find those and follow them. Subscribe on Substack and consider supporting um, uh, because that's the way for you to be able to leave comments and uh, by, by charging five bucks a month or a nominal 
donation for the whole year. It'll help us uh, continue this work and do a little bit of marketing things that we want to do. Um, but it also helps, more importantly, I think, avoid trolls from commenting and saying stupid things and uh, Zoom bombing us when we do our first virtual Q&A at the end of the month. And so if you're not subscribed um, as a supporter, uh, you won't get the information about that, but we want to keep inviting you to. But for those that are, we'll do our first Q&A session at the end of the month, and uh, you'll get information about that through Substack. So I hope you're having a, a, a freaking great Sunday, and I hope you have a really great week. And I hope you and I, as we continue to try to find ways to apply Jesus to our life today, just think about this this reality that we are spiritually poor, but in Christ we are so rich and blessed. And that that is the source, that is the beginning of living a blessed, good, full life. Have a great week, everyone.